little man back there. Good to have him. We're thankful for all of our guests. Let's let our guests know we welcome them. Glad you are with us. This is the third Sunday of the month. We usually have a little something about missions. We're going to continue on with service. Out in the vestibule, you'll see a table out there with a, a little building, some little styrofoam bricks that we're kind of putting together. And uh, we are building a, a, a school in Liberia. Uh, this will be one of many that we have built there. And we want to complete this. So please buy a brick. I don't know what cost of them, but they're not a lot. And help us to buy the bricks to uh, finish this this school out. You have a child between, I don't know, what is power hour ages anyway? Does anybody know? Up to 11, I think, maybe. So 4 to 11 or something. Power hour is in the back. The kids are having a blast. I don't want to miss that. And what a wonderful time we had at our marriage banquet yesterday. Uh, they just did a wonderful, incredible job putting uh, everything together. Thank you, Brother and Sister Jones, all those that helped them and all of the couples that attended. We're going to be doing quite a few things during the year. I hope you'll pay attention and come and be a part of what we are doing amongst uh, our marriage, both the young, middle-aged, and also old. Speaking of old, those of you that want to lose a couple of pounds, we'll have old men basketball at 6 o'clock at Pastor's house. We're going to put a couple of teams together, the ones with the blown out knees and the hurting elbows and barely moving around. No competition involved at all. We're just out there slowly moving, trying to get from one goal to the other. We invite you to come and join us. And then the younger crew that thinks they're all Michael Jordan, they'll be playing at 8 o'clock, full of competition, broken bones, knocked out teeth, and blood flying. You're welcome to join them as well. Hebrews chapter 2 we're going to begin with verse number 14. I'm going to sort of continue uh, from Wednesday night, although slightly different vein, but uh, sort of the same uh, subject in a way. And I just want to encourage you, if you were not in church on Wednesday night, the Lord ministered to us uh, here and uh, about uh, being of the fellowship of the suffering and going through things and uh, the things that we were facing towards the end of service, tongues and interpretation, power of God. We had already dismissed power of God fell in here again. People coming back in, praying and weeping in the altar. Mighty move of God. I encourage you so much to try to make it to service on Wednesday night. Pastor slows down. He teaches the word. God moves deeply and powerfully in our services on Wednesday. Try to make it. I want to flow a little further in that vein. I felt like the Lord laid this on my heart. I want to tell you God's come to help somebody here today. I know you've been standing. I'm sorry about that. Give me just a couple of more minutes. But the Lord's come to help you. He's come to let you know that he has chosen you. That, that you are the apple of his eye. He loves you no matter what has happened in your past. No matter uh, how horrible of things you may have done. You are the apple of his eye. He loves you. He shed his blood for you. He has something for you to do. And he wants to speak to you. Wants to let you know he's come to comfort you today. He's come to strengthen you today. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. For as much then as the children or partakers of flesh and blood. You and I 
We are just mortal men. Isaiah speaks about this as well. Goes on to say in verse 14, He also himself, speaking of Jesus, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And so Paul the Apostle writing, or if you feel Paul wrote Hebrews, uh, writing to uh, the church here is saying that you and I were just flesh and blood. And God understood this. So the Lord said, I will partake of the same. I will come down and manifest myself in the flesh. And I will partake of fleshly things so that I might destroy the power of death. Verse number 15, and deliver them who? Me and you. Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the natures of the nature of angels, but took on him the seed of of Abraham you got to get a hold of this wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people last verse verse 18 for in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. He came in flesh to feel what we feel, to be tempted like we are tempted, to even experience death and the horror of it. To experience the rejection of the Spirit of the Father because of sin that had come upon his vessel on Calvary. He experienced it all. Why? So that he could be merciful to me and to you. I've come to tell you that that God is in this place today. He has not come to judge you. He's come to help you. He is here letting you know, I don't just see your pain. I understand your pain. I understand your suffering. Nobody can secure you. Nobody can comfort you like Jesus Christ. And he's come to do it for us here today. I wonder if we can worship him for a moment. Let's just bless his name. Will you thank him for his touch? Will you thank him for his mercy? Come on, somebody. You've been secured by him. You've been blessed by him. You've been helped by him. Oh, yes, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your tenderness. Come on, just a moment longer. I feel like the Holy Ghost is trying to break forth. I feel like he's trying to break bondage here today. 
He's come to break bondage of sin off of your life. He's come to remove fear out of you. He's come to secure you in your heartache and in your pain and in your suffering. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Turn to two or three people around you. Just tell them the Lord loves you. He's come to help you today. May the Lord bless you. You can be seated. I think this word secure is amazing. Yes, it does mean to comfort. It means to secure, to strengthen, to bring hope, all of these things. But the word right here is actually used in the essence of one who has set their feet in a starting block, waiting to run to you. It is a word that is beyond just, I want to secure you. It is a word that is so strong right here in its original text that it means that God is literally in a position in which to run with all of His might in your direction. It means to literally run to the cry of a child to bring help when it is needed. I love that psalm. He is near me in a time of trouble. He is a very present help in a time of trouble. Oh, we need to give the devil a black eye today, if you please. We need to shut up his mouth. He's trying to tell you God is far from you. That God doesn't hear your cry. I'm telling you, Calvary was not in vain. And Calvary was for the world. Calvary was for you, my brother, and you, my sister. Calvary is powerful. He came from his celestial heaven down to a terrestrial earth where human pain and suffering existed. And after death, burial, and resurrection, he he waits ready to help you. He waits ready to reach out to you. I wish somebody here today, you'd give him your pain, give him your heartache, give him your troubles, give him your fear. He's here to bless. He's here to help. And he's here to comfort. Let's love our God. He's mighty. Wednesday night, we talked about the fellowship of suffering, that we do not have to suffer alone. The Word of God is very plain that you and I live in a real world and the afflictions that come upon the children of the world also come upon you and I. Yes, I'm sorry, but I have to tell you, living upon this earth, you and I will face diseases. We will face the death of loved ones. We will face financial ruin. We will face the heartache and the 
pain that comes when someone rejects you or hurts you or turns against you. All of these things will happen. They will come your way. But what a comforting thing to know. He understands it all. And he waits to help. He waits to secure. He waits. He's in a starting block. I wish I'd have brought some with me today. When I was young and healthy and strong and skinny, I used to. Uh, I used to run track, and uh, I actually at one time was uh, uh, the mile runner. They didn't invest a whole lot in track in uh, Sulphur High because, well, I was the runner. And so they just, you know, kind of pushed that off to the side. But though I don't know. I don't know how or why. But somehow in, in the district, I took fourth place, and I qualified for state. And so my coach kind of woke up a little bit, and he said, try to teach me in a week how to run. And then I remember what he told me. He said, now, son, you're going up with the best in the state. These guys are good. He said, when that gun goes off, they're going to take off full blast, and they're going to run half a lap. He said, now, don't you run with them. He said, you just hold back and get your pace. You'll catch them later. He said, if you take off with them, you're going to be wore out on the first half. But you know how it is. You're up there. You're all hyper. Everything in you shaking. And that gun goes off. They all take off. I take off with them. Sure enough, I was wore out on the first half lap. My coach knew what he was talking about, but I wish you'd have trained me earlier. But that's just how God is. God's down. He's in that starting block. He's got his eye on you. He saw you get out of bed today. He waited with anticipation. Is she going to come to the house of God? Is he going to come? Is he going to make his way? Look at him. There he is. Oh, there she is. She's getting ready. She's getting dressed. They're getting in the car. They're going to come. And he sits. And he's in that starting block and he's waiting today to rush out to you and to help you and to bless you if somehow you'll open up yourself today if you'll let your mouth cry out his name if you'll say Jesus 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 I need you do you love him We're in a fellowship of suffering. We're in this together. You don't have to suffer alone. It's a beautiful thing. The body is here to bring comfort. The body is here to bring strength and hope. We talked about Wednesday how that we go through things and we like to just blame it on the devil or whatever we might want to blame it on when God is really just doing something in our life and when God brings us through it no matter how tragic it is he's got in his hand a golden nugget he's got in his hand a shining diamond why? because you made it through something that would have destroyed others but because God was there to secure you and God was there to help you you came out you're still standing you're still here today you made it you got through the valley and God was there and you're still here and because of that God 
God has a diamond in his hands. And when somebody else suffers in the same way that you're suffering, and maybe they haven't given their heart to God, they don't have that secure, they don't have that hope, but they stagger into the house of God, and God begins to strengthen and bless them. You know what God's going to do? He's going to lead that person straight to you. Why? Because you already made it. You already came out. And you're going to be able to wrap your arms around them. You're going to be able to bring them in close. And you're going to be able to say, hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to make it. You're not alone. We're here with you. We love you. We'll help you. Oh, oh, let's worship him for a moment. He told Israel, I love these words in Exodus 23 and 9. He said, also thou shalt not oppress a stranger, for ye know the heart of a stranger, why? Seeing that ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. God was saying to Israel, because I let you sit in Egypt for 430 years, you felt the oppression of the world. You felt the oppression of the hard taskmaster and the power of sin. He said, now, when you see the stranger, after I blessed you, Israel, after I put you in vineyards, you did not plant. After I put you in homes, you did not build. After I bless you in every area of your life and you see the stranger come and they're barely making it and the world has ravaged them, God said, don't you forget the stranger. You know what it means to suffer. You know what it means to be poor. You know what it means to be rejected. And when you see somebody else, love them, help them, be there for them. We are the body of suffering. Luke 18 and 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. God has come here to say today, don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. But God is here for you. If you'll just lift your hand up a little. If you'll just open your mouth a little. If you'll just look in his way, you'll feel the hand of God come upon you. There's a church here for you. We will love you. We will pray with you. We will help you. And what we cannot do, God will do. One might say to themselves, yes, but he was talking about his elect he said I will secure them he called them in Hebrews the elect 
And so you might say, I'm just a sinner. I'm not serving God. You don't know me, Pastor. You don't know my past. I'm just an old druggie. I live in moral lifestyles. I'm, a, I'm this or, or, or I am that. I am not one of his elect. Listen, friend, can I stop you and tell you right now that you don't know that? Because every one of us in this building today, at one time in our life, was out in that world living an ungodly life. Some of us were on, hey, do I have any alcoholics, pre, pre-alcoholics in here? Could you stand? I'm standing. I'm dead serious. I want them to see you. Come on, you used to drink a lot. Some of y'all act like you still drink. Do we have any, anyone here today? You used to be hooked on nicotine. Would you stand? Cigarettes, cigars. Oh, I got a church full of powerful, precious, pure people. God, they came out of the womb filled with the Holy Ghost like John. How about anybody here today? You ever cuss? I'm just trying to find something. You guys are so good. You can be seated. I come to tell you we got a we got a church that's just full of a bunch of sinners saved by grace. If he'd have met us before we met God, we'd have never told you that we were one of his elect. Oh, you better get a hold of this. We would have never said, oh, yeah, I'm one of God's special, called out, chosen. That's who I am. No, we would have never said it. Yet John 15 and 16 says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and your fruit should remain. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What I'm telling you right now is this. You might not think you're one of his chosen. You might not think you're one of his elect. But he brought you here today. He had his eye on you. He's been calling you. He's been reaching you. And you're going to find out soon enough. I'm chosen of God. I'm called out. I'm brought out. I'm lifted up. I'm strengthened. I'm one of his chosen Let me, let me continue a little bit longer. I got a little time. We'll get to our message later. You think, you think Saul of Tarsus was chosen? 
Acts chapter 9 verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out, threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest. He desired letters of Damascus in the synagogues. He said, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get the men and women. I'm going to kill some. I'm going to bind some. I'm going to throw some into prison. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. This is where some of you are right now. You got no clue. You have no idea. God has his eye on you. You've got no knowledge. God has been watching you. Oh, yes, while you're in the boardroom, while you're smoking your dope, while you're being immoral, while you're treating your wife wrong, while you're treating your... God's got his eye on you because he's got higher things for you. He's got a greater calling. Yeah. Somebody help the preacher. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. Look at this. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest, it is hard for thee to kick against the prick. Look at verse 13. Then Ananias answered the Lord and said, I've heard about this guy. He's a bad guy. He went to Jerusalem, locked up prisoners. Verse 14. And here he's got authority right now, God, to come collect us and to throw us in prison. But the Lord said to Ananias, go thy way, for he... You mean that Christian murdering, that Christian bondage, throwing them in prison, mistreating the children of God, what's chosen of God. I've come to tell you, friend, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. God's got his eye on you. God has come to choose you. God's come to pick you up. Oh, if you feel that way, come on, praise him. Praise him. My, 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 my. <laughs> He's a chosen vessel, verse 16. I will show him how great things he must suffer. Saul was a mean guy. But God don't just call mean guys. God calls nice guys. Yeah, he called me. Called one of you. And uh, so you don't have to be this bad person to be called of God. You don't have to have a lineage of stealing cars and robbing banks, stealing cookies from the cookie jar. Oh. No, you could be a nice guy. And the Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? See, and I have rejected him. This is a different Saul. This is the Old Testament, older guy. From reigning over Israel, 
find that horn of oil and go, and I'm going to send you to Jesse to Bethlehem. I have provided me a king amongst his sons. And it came to pass when, when they were come that he looked upon Eliab, and he said, Surely the Lord anointed this before him. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not upon the countenance or the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh upon the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. Verse 11, And Samuel said unto Jesse, All seven sons went by him. No, 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 no. He brought him past again. No, 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 no. Samuel said to Jesse, is there another one? He said, yeah, we got this little run of a fella. He's out on the backside of a sheep field somewhere. He said, you, you wouldn't want him, though. All he does is write songs. He's just, he's just a poet. He can't rule Israel. You can't anoint him king. I, my, why we sneak up on him sometimes and record him. He's just out there on the field just singing. I will praise him. I'll praise him in the morning. I'll praise him at the noontime. I'll praise him in the evening. All night long. He's a wacko. You don't want that guy. He's weird. Right song. He said, go get him. Go get him. They bring him in. The moment he walked in, God said, this is the man. This is the one. Listen, I don't care how little you think of yourself. I don't care how little others think of you. If God's eye is on you. The opinion of your big brother don't matter. The opinion of your mama and daddy don't matter. The opinion of your peers don't matter. The opinion of your friends don't matter. The opinion of your enemy doesn't matter. The only opinion that matters is God himself. And God said, I have chosen you. I have called you out. I have brought you here. I've come to anoint you. I've come to... <laughs> Listen to this. You don't know who's sitting on these pews. The next missionary like Benny DeMerchant might be on our pews. The next evangelist, the next Sunday school teacher that would change the lives of hundreds of children. The next Bible study teacher that will put families back together. Who knows if the next set of hands to feed the poor, the next set of feet to go out and reach the brokenhearted are sitting right now on these seats and God is in the starting block he's got his eye on you he's waiting he's watching he's ready he wants to shoot out and come to you today sir ma'am he's here to bless you he's come to help oh God we love you Who you are today doesn't matter to God. It's what you will let him make you and shape you is what matters. You might be a persecutor like Saul or a shepherd boy on the backside of a sheep field that has never heard a thing in your life. Both of you. Need his call. 
both of us need his anointing. You see, angels couldn't come and do it. No. They don't know what it is to be flesh. The Bible says they look earnestly upon us. Looking into this incredible plan of salvation. Watching how God takes the most defiled and unruly and ungodly man and woman. And in moments of time, transforms their lives. They watch as he takes a good kid, a good girl, raised in a good home. Maybe a, maybe a preacher's home. Of course, they say preacher's kids are the worst kids on the planet. Luke, would you stand up? Where's Luke? Would you stand up? Behold, the preacher's kid. I'm kidding. What a, what a great kid. What a great kid. I have wonderful children. Their mother did a good job. In spite of their dad, they turned out all right. That is for sure. Amen. Where am I? Oh, yeah, angels. Angels can't do it. They peer, they peer into this. They, they look into this. They have never tasted of humanity. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 1 and 13, but to which of the angels at any time was it said unto them, sit on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits? Oh, yes, they can come to you. They can help you. They can bless. They can give strength. They can come and you can feel encouraged but there's just there's they're so limited in what they are able to do because only Jesus Christ can secure us only he can bring true hope to my heart and to your heart why because he became a man the fact that he suffered yet without sin is the most powerful thing at all because of all because now I know that not only can he secure me me, but within him is my hope to defeat carnality and sin. Within him is my hope. He defeated the grave. He came out. It could not hold him. And when I take my last breath, I will take it in hope because the one that secures me defeated the grave. I will get up tomorrow and I will walk in this world and I will be encouraged because the one that secures me has overcome the world. He said, fear not. I overcame the world. You're going to overcome the world. They hated me. They're going to hate you. But it's all right. We're going to make it. We're going to get through. I'm here with you. Verse 15, let me continue. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched without the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points. Everybody say all points. There was no temptation that you have ever been tempted with. That Jesus Christ himself was not tempted. You say, oh, that's not even. There's no, there's, there's no way. Because I'm not going to tell you some of the things that are in my mind. Some of the temptations that have come upon me. Remember, temptation is not a sin. Yielding to it is. Huh? When lust is conceived, 
it bringeth forth. No, that's sin. Look at my Bible clippings. When lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, right? Yeah, yeah, I hadn't got me confused. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. But sin doesn't come until after you let lust conceive in you. That means it, it does more than just come on your mind. It's just more than a feeling, right? You let it hang around until you make love with it, and it conceives in you. And when it conceives in you, then it begins to grow, and it grows into what? It grows into sin. And so every point, the Bible says, he was tempted as we, as like as we are, yet without sin. He is the secure of every saint, and he is the hope of every sinner. Because those of us that have received him, we know the old man still abides even though he was crucified in that burial, in that, in that watery grave, in the name of Jesus Christ, when we were baptized, the old man died. We resurrected in a newness of life. You and I both know that the old man tries to resurrect. He tries to get back on top. He tries to get control. And so we are secured through Jesus Christ. He gives us strength to push him back down. He gives us the ability and the power to overcome. He gives us the ability to resist to temptation and to continue on and to the sinner he is hope because he lets you know that he'll give you that water that flows out of your belly that living river they sung about here today he'll put that on the inside of you he'll write his law across your heart and put his power in your heart and you will rise above the power of sin and the power of temptation and he will secure you. This secure, this comfort, this strength, this hope is accompanied with the purest of sympathy, if you please. Or maybe we might need to say empathy because he lived it. The old saying stayed with me for a few more minutes. If ever I fall into a surgeon's hands with broken bones, give me one whose own bones have been broken. There's a saying that says something like this. No one understands mercy except for those who have experienced misery. There's something about it when you go through it and you come out of it. If, you, if it works on you right, if it does the right thing, if you let God give you the right attitude, not an attitude of bitterness, but an attitude of love, wanting to help someone. Look at Hebrews 2 and 17. Wherefore in all, all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Verse 18, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to secure the that are tempted I've come to encourage somebody today in the Holy Ghost I know it's hard listen I know we're surrounded with things every day you can't go into the grocery room the grocery store men without seeing half naked women plastered all over magazines you can't even pick up a candy bar without them advertising it with sex 
in some kind of fashion. It's plastered on the media everywhere. And I don't want to lose this and, and get all crazy here. But I want to tell you, this is the hypocrisy of the women's movement. They want to scream and holler to be equal. And they want to scream and holler to tell men not to touch them. And they should. Men should not touch them. But I want to know where their voice is against these men that plaster them on pages. Send them out into the streets to sell their bodies. I want to know where their voice is against these. No, you know why? There's no political power there. That's why they're not fighting in that arena. It's not about women. It's about money, power, and position. I want to tell you the greatest thing that ever happened to women was Christianity. Jesus Christ set the woman free. God have mercy. You know how I know that? You're filled with the same power a man is filled with. When you pray, the same God hears your prayer. Your glory covers you with an angelic host and the power of God. Keep getting off on these tangents. For he himself suffered being tempted. He is able to secure everywhere as we go. It is thrown in our face. Everything you see, everything you hear, every voice, every influence. It's shoved down the throats of our children in school. It's shoved down our throats through our government. It's pushed everywhere in every way. You can't watch something without some immoral, violent, ugly scene coming before you, trying to get you to accept the most vilest, disgusting, ungodly lifestyles and trying to make the church believe that it's okay. When you're preaching, preacher, I'm here to tell you, you're going to be all right because he was tempted in every manner, in every way, and he will secure us. He will strengthen us. He will help us. Come on, saint of God. Don't let that devil condemn you. Don't let that devil talk to you. You tell him, I am cleansed by the blood. Come on, say it. I am cleansed by the blood. Say it. I am cleansed by the blood. I am cleansed by the blood. I am cleansed by the blood. He will secure me. He will comfort me. He will help me. Clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise. No wonder David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He didn't say because you bless me there. No, no, no. He said because you are with me. There. There's never been a valley, Lord, you have not gone through. You need to listen to pastor today. Some of us are facing things that are off the scale. They're greater than any earthquake that's ever hit this planet. They're more powerful. Listen, I was reading an article a few days ago. 
I talked about an earthquake that happened back in, in the 80s. It was the second largest earthquake ever to strike earth, but it was so deep that it was only an 8.2 on the surface. But way down below, 400 miles deep into the earth, where it actually shifted, it was off the scale. They said if there would have been a shift like that up higher towards earth, it would have leveled everything for thousands of miles, completely leveled. But it was way down, way down deep, and it shifted. And uh, now with new technology, they're able to go back and, and study the seismic graph and, and uh, what the vibrations produced. And they found a mountain range 400 miles below the earth where the medium mountains are taller than Mount Everest. It's this huge mountain range. And, and before you get all crazy, no, they didn't find dinosaurs or anything like that. It's just this open cavern, this huge, gigantic uh, cavern 400 miles deep with these mountain ranges that are there. What are you saying? I'm saying gigantic moves in our life reveals things. And it reveals the deepest of the deepest things in our life. You and I, we get on our knees and we pray and we talk to God and we say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to serve you. I want to be obedient to you. I want to live for you. I want to do things that are right. And, and, you know, and then all of a sudden, some major, unbelievable mountain moving, crust dividing thing happens in our life. And it nearly just destroys us. And it reveals something so deep on the inside of us that we didn't even know it was there. Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say God does that because he loves you. And he does that because he wants to use you greater than you've ever been used. And you don't have anything to fear because whatever you're going through, he understands it completely. He's not going to leave you. He knew it was there before it was ever revealed yet he still loved you he still filled you with the Holy Ghost he still blessed you every day of your life and he knew that was in you but when the time was right he shifted things and it was revealed but I've come to tell you don't fear it don't be ashamed don't tuck your head throw your hands in the air and say thank you Jesus thank you for loving me thank you for showing me God's come to tell you He's going to secure you. He's going to help you. Oh, hear the preacher say of God. Listen, we cannot be effective in this world if we don't learn to quit letting the devil condemn us because of the weaknesses that are in our life. Let me ask you a question. Have you felt God today? Has God touched you today? Do you believe, Simon Peter, that it's possible for you to fail the Lord? Oh, no. I'll never deny you. Now, Simon, Lord, Lord, you listen to me. Listen to me, Lord. I will never deny you. Simon, God, you're offending me. That's what he said in his own words. You are upsetting me. 
Now stop telling me that I'm going to deny you. Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me thrice. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. Before that event of denial ever came, Jesus already stood before him and said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Before that denial ever came, Jesus stood before Simon Peter and said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father, the Spirit which is in heaven has revealed this to you. Yet God knew the whole time that the denials were going to come, that the failures were going to happen. Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you and I, if we're going to be effective in this world, we have got to stop tucking our head and walking around with shame in our heart and in our life. Now, don't misunderstand, Pastor. I'm not telling you to go out and voluntarily do some ungodly thing. Listen, you don't have to do it voluntarily. You will do it plenty of times against your own will. It's called the frailty of the human flesh. It's called the weakness of your mind and the weakness of who you are. It is the weakness of our character. We are fallen flesh. We are fallen humanity. And the only thing that keeps us even within some kind of boundage, uh, boundary or uh, morality is that God's spirit dwells on the inside of us and keeps us in check. God knows every bad thought you will ever have. He knows every word you will ever say. He knows every fit of anger you will ever have. He knows every spirit of bitterness that will ever get a hold of your heart and jealousy. He knows everything that you will do, everything that you will say, everybody you will hurt, every time you will fail him through lack of prayer, lack of study, lack of seeking, lack of fasting, watching, listening, doing things, feeding the flesh, knowing you shouldn't do it. He knows them all. Yet today... Right now, he has blessed you. Already knowing that all these things are coming. And the Holy Ghost has come in this place today to say to me and to you, lift up your head unto the hills which cometh your salvation. Let's stand to our feet. Let's clap our hands. Come on, somebody. Lift up your head. Come on. Lift up your head. Shake off the shame. Shake off the embarrassment. Shake it off. God loves you. He's here to bless you. He's come to secure you. He's going to help you through. He's going to get you out. Music, if you'll come. He's been tempted in every like manner. He's been tempted. Listen, I want the sanctuary of the Palm Beaches to become a powerful force in our community and in this county. And we can't do that if we walk around embarrassed and ashamed every day of our life. You know I'm telling the truth. Most of the time, we're just tucking our head. Most of the time, we're just ashamed. We don't get over it till we come to the house of God. Why? Because God meets you here. He loves you. He is secure. He kept you. And in all the things that, all the things that you have tucked your head 
about during the week and all your failures and all these. You're, but you're here. You're here. Why? Because he kept you. He never took his hand off you. He didn't say forget you. One more time and you're out. No, he, he doesn't do that. Not at all. He said, I'm with you to the ends of the world. He said, nobody can pluck you out of my hand. Nobody. Nothing. No. No, I got you. I got you. But, but he's here today to say, but what I need you to do is to recognize the next time you're tempted. Instead of letting shame come to you, instead of letting embarrassment come to you, what we ought to do is lift our head and say, he is able to keep me. And when you do that, oh, watch out. The moment you recognize that in the middle of your greatest temptation, God is right next to you. And you say, he is able to secure me. He will run to me like a mother will run to a crying child. He's in the starting blocks of my life. And he's just waiting for me. In the middle of this temptation. To just turn and say, Lord, will you help me? Will you secure me? You see, Jesus is the leader of the fellowship of suffering. He's the leader. No one has suffered more than him. He's been tempted in all areas. Oh, if I live to be 150 years old, Lord Terry, and I die, there will still be many, many areas that I was never tempted in. Just because of where I live and my background. The same with you. But he is tempted in all. There's some things that tempt you. Don't tempt me. You come up to me with a beer. You're not going to tempt me. I don't want that beer. You come up to me with a cigarette. I'm not tempted. <coughs> cigarette. But you might be. But there are things that tempt me that might not tempt you at all. I'm an electronic freak. I love new stuff. I'm in the process of Googling my home. You can walk into my house and say, Google, turn on my living room fan. And Google will say, my pleasure. And my living room fan turns on. 
That's just what I am. And so sometimes I want to go out and get something. That means the difference between me buying that and Luke eating. And how thin he is, you can see which one's winning in the house. So I can, I can be tempted in areas like that. And I fail many times. But you're not tempted with that. I didn't bother you. You say, well, that's not sin. Oh, yes, it is. Anything that has power over you is sin. Do I need to say that again? Anything that has power over you is sin. That's right. You say, well, how do I know something has power over me? When you know it's your time to read the word, but you just continue doing something else because you just don't want to stop, it has power over you. Gamers. Holo, hol, what do they call them? Hologram books. Hologram books. Hallmark. No, there's another kind. Huh? Harlequin romances? I don't mind my wife reading those. Right? I'm not going to sit down and read no Harlequin book. But you might be one of those that pick up a book. And you literally cannot put it down until you finish. You ever met that kind of person? I know some. What I'm trying to say is that we all have sin in our life. But God is not forsaking us. He loves us. And if we're going to be a powerhouse in our city, we need to understand what the Lord come to tell us today. He was tempted in all of these fashions. Well, maybe not the Holligan books, but something near it. Similar to it. Yet without sin. And so now the Bible says, why did he allow himself? We preached on this Wednesday night, but now I'm talking God to us, right? Wednesday night was us to us. This is God to us. Why did he come and allow himself to go through all of this? And the very next verse tells us, so that he can be merciful to me and you. And so now we can have the confidence to say, Lord, you were tempted like this, but you sinned not. And even sometimes you still may fail. But he already knew that. You know as well as I do that after you fail God, I'm sorry I got you standing so long. I'm trying to wear your flesh down so I can get to your spirit. That after you fail God, you feel so bad. What do you do? 
you go to him. Maybe in shame. But you still go to him. And you say, Lord, I know this is 1,786. If you're keeping record. <laughs> He's not, by the way. Because the moment he forgives you, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, he goes. Try it. And every day I get up, every day, the Bible tells me that his mercies are renewed in my life. Every day. Some of us still get up today. And some either first thing in the morning or sometimes. During the day, the devil will remind you of something you did a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. And he still torments you. And the only two minds it's in is the devil's and yours. Because it's not in God's. Because the first time you asked him to forgive you, he went. That's how much he loves us. Every eye closed for a moment. You're here today. You've never been filled with the gift of the Spirit. His Spirit is your only hope. His power will come into you. These things that have you bound hold you bound in your mind, your emotions, bound maybe in your physical body, bound with some immorality or sin, or maybe you live a perfect moral life, but you just battle things in your mind. you to know that God's got his eyes on you and he's called you here today because he's chosen you oh no pastor he would have never yes oh yes he has he's chosen you and he's brought you here but I've wasted my whole life he's chosen you but I've hurt people. He's chosen you. But I've done things to my own body. He has chosen you. And he's asking you right now to step out from where you are. He's asking you to love him enough. To be strong enough to step out from where you are and make your way down to this altar and acknowledge to him, God, I love you. I need you. I praise you. I love you. I want you to touch me, Lord. Touch me, my body, my family. I need your forgiveness. Now to the church. We need to come and let God know that we recognize that he is our strength. He will secure us. We need to come and recognize 
that he is waiting in the starting blocks of our life to run to us, to come to us, to bless us, to be here for us. He's come today to remove shame out of your life, to remove embarrassment out of your life. He's here today to do it. He's come to let us know that he has been tempted in every like manner. Every like manner. Oh, yes, he has. And he's saying, why don't you come? I want to touch you today. I want to minister to you today. But I'm afraid I'm going to fail again. God knows that. God knows that. God knows every time you'll ever fail. Peter, he knows you're going to deny him three times, but he's still going to give you the keys of the kingdom. He knows you're going to deny him three times, but he's still going to let revelation come to you because he loves you, son. He loves you, and he's here to bless you, and he's here to help you, and he's going to give you power and strength to overcome. And when we do fail him, and we do fall short of his glory, he's going to secure us. He's going to bring hope and comfort and strength. He's going to come to us like a mother would run to her crying child. Oh, yes, he is. He's going to run to us. Yes, he is. When the prodigal son came home, he said in his own heart, I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to tell him, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've wasted the inheritance. Father, I've done things that are horrible. I've shamed the family name everywhere that I went. Oh, yes, I did. And the prodigal son slowly makes his way back. And he says, I'll tell him I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be your son. But the Bible says when the father saw him, there he was in the starting blocks of his life. And when he saw him, he took off running towards him. And when the son opened up his mouth and began to say, I'm not worthy to be that son, the father just overrode him and said, somebody go get my robe. Somebody go kill the fatty calf. Somebody go get the ring. Somebody go get the shoes. My son was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. He was gone, and now he's back. What is it? It's the love of a father. It's the love of a father. And he's here today. I don't know what the devil's been handling you about. I don't know what he's been bringing shame into your heart about. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you may have done or didn't do. Maybe it could be the sin of omission. Maybe it's not even the sin of commission, but the sin of omission. Things you did not do. I don't know. But God's come to tell you he loves you and it's time to shake off that shame it's time to shake it off get rid of it get rid of the embarrassment and let lift up your head 
to the hills from which cometh your salvation. Lift up your head because the glory of God is there. The power of God is resting upon you. He is the secure of your soul. He's been tempted in every like fashion. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to forsake you. He loves you. He's come to bless you. He's come to help you. He's running to you right now. Can't you feel him? Can't you feel his presence? Can't you feel his love? It doesn't matter how big of a failure you may think you are. God thinks you're awesome. It doesn't matter how much of a failure you may look in the eyes of men. God wants to use you. God has come to bless you. God is here to help you. Jesus, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Come on, let him have it. It's healing time for the church. It's healing time for the church. Come on, young man, young lady. Come on. You've done some things you don't want nobody to know. You don't want your parents to know because you're so ashamed. Listen, just give it to the Lord. He's here to love you and forgive you. Just give it to Him. Don't let that devil torment you anymore. God wants to use you. Young man, young lady, God wants to use you. Come on, lay it down to the altar today. Lay it down to the feet of Christ. He's come to secure you. He's come to be a strength to you. Come on, sir, ma'am. Come on, husband, wife. Come on, you've done things you're ashamed of. You don't want anybody to know you're ashamed. The devil torments you over it. Come on, give it to God today. Give it to God. Let God take it out of your life. Never to be remembered against you again. He's here to bless you. He loves you. He's come to help you. Come on, single young man, single young lady. Come on. Come on, widower. Oh, single mother, single father. Talk to God. Talk to God. Church, let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. I feel like he wants to sweep over us today. He wants to sweep over our hearts today. Oh, he wants to put a peace on us. He wants to put a love on you. Come on, he wants to put a, a love on you. He wants you to know how much he loves you. He wants you to know he forgives you. He's the secure of your soul. There is no temptation. None that's not common to man. None that's not common to man. And none that he has not been tempted by. Lord, you are our secure. Oh, I wish I could get this across to us. Some of us, we feel like we have failed beyond the place of redemption. The Lord says no. You feel like the prodigal son, you're not worthy to be called the child of God. 
But Jesus is here today. He wants to put his robe around you. He wants to put the ring of authority back on your hand. He wants to put the shoes of the kingdom back on your feet. He wants you to feast upon his word and his love. Oh, yes. He's the restorer. He's the blesser. He will restore. He will bless. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are the fellowship of suffering. Put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Lord, I'm here for my brother, my sister. I'm so thankful that they're here for me. Lord, I need someone to help. I need someone to understand. I don't need someone to judge me. I need someone to love me. Come on, church. We got to help one another. We got to love one another, forgive one another.